to the nightly crowd catcher with Corey Bang. This is my first episode. I am your host. The first thing that we're going to talk about is the NBA Finals. But first, I would like to talk about a team out in Miami who came into the playoffs as an AC. And yes, they have an incredible story. Also has the most, when they're playing against their opponents, the Denver Nuggets, have had to really put together something against a stout center like Nikolai Nuggets, who is truly a force to be reckoned with, whether it's on the glass with his rebounding abilities, his strong play in the paint with his scoring capabilities, and even blocking the basketball. He is going to be a tank of Miami Heat in this series. Another guy the Heat is going to have to watch out for in this series is Jamal Murray. He is one of the better scorers in the game, and he can shoot from the perimeter. He has the ability to break ankles on the defensive side with his crossover dribbles. When he goes into the lane, he is has a beautiful floater shot, but then he can truly dunk the basketball, making him a dynamic player. So in this series, in game one, the Nuggets defeated the Heat with a score of 104-93. Bam Adebayo for the Miami Heat was the leading scorer with 26 points, 13-25 from the field. Nikola Jokic was the Denver Nuggets' leading scorer with a game-high of 20 points, 8-12 of 12 from the field, an impressive 10-12 of 12 from the free-throw line. And what has to happen is the fact that Jamal Murray crossed into the middle of the floor in transition earlier in that game one in the fourth quarter of the Denver Nuggets in the game one win over the Heat. But during a rare fast-break opportunity against the Miami defender that made it basket, he spotted Michael Porter Jr. flaring open near the left corner. But Murray slung a one-handed pass that hit Porter in stride. It was that kind of moment in this game for that six foot ten sharpshooter for it to make a difference. Now the Nuggets, they had scored four points in a row to go back up 88 to 74 after the Heat had opened the quarter with an 11-0 run to trim the Denver's lead to 10. But the crowd quarter could send them into the bedlam with one shot and blow the game once again. But Porter, to that point, had played a splendid all-around game. But he was cold on threes, finishing 2 of 11 from deep. The Heat in the second half had juggled assignments to put Caleb Martin on Murray, leaving smaller defenders with the likes of Gabe Vincent, then Kyle Lowry on Porter. The Nuggets smartly responded by running pin-downs, handoffs, and other actions designed to get Porter open, catch-and-shoot looks over those defenders. He had missed them all. But in the end of the day, those were his opportunities. He went into his shooting motion but saw Haywood Highsmith sprinting to leap at him. Highsmith played well, and he had used him as Murray's primary defender. They might extend Highsmith's minutes going into game two of this NBA Finals. They had even switched from Murray onto the on a few Murray-Jokic pick-and-rolls. But those plays did not go well for Highsmith. It is hard to see any way the Heat can regularly switch smaller players onto Jokic and get away with it. Having Bam Adebayo front Jokic was probably their best tactic against Jokic's post-games. 
But the Nuggets were ready for that as the opening tip. When I front of Jokic on Denver's first possession of game, rather than try to force a law pass entry, Murray simply used the front as one giant screen. He drove out of bio scrum, knowing out of bio would not be able to meet him on the backside and laid the ball in. But Porter pump faked Highsmith and he flew him past and landed in the deep corner. But Porter saw daylight and began his shooting motion again. So at this point in the game, that it's going to have to make a difference for the Miami Heat. They're going to have to lock down on the defenders, and they're going to have to have adjacent slide packages to make a difference in this series in that regard. But let's go back to the point that this Heat team, no one expects them to get to the series. It's an incredible story that they have made it as, a, as they have, but it surely was too much in game one to make a difference. Now we're talk about what's going on in the NHL Stanley Cup championship. A second Florida team. My goodness. Those guys from South Florida, they have made a difference. So there's a second team in South Florida that has made a birth at the championship crown. And that is the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers have not gone to Stanley Cup championship series since 1996 been a long time, 20-plus years, but I'm glad they have finally made this trip through all the trials and tribulations in the season. No one thought that they were even going to make a playoff berth, and it's truly incredible that they had done so. One, they're going to be facing the Las Vegas Knights in this series. So few expected, like I said, the Florida Panthers to be playing in a Stanley Cup series, not with two weeks left in the regular season. And certainly not when they trail the NHL best Boston Bruins 3-1 in the first round series. But the Vegas Golden Knights expected to be playing for the Stanley Cup. It was the ownership's plan from day one of the franchise to win it within six years of their inaugural season. Only for them to be shifted as a desert perennial contender mode. But taking opposite roads to this point... Florida and Vegas now collide in the cup, finally with one team set to win. But the title for the first time, the Panthers are the upstarts out of the Eastern Conference and the last team to make the playoffs. And the Golden Knights are the powerhouse champions of the West. I guess it's one of the scenarios of a David versus Goliath scenario that you don't technically see every day. But the Panthers know that they are underdogs in every series they've played. It doesn't really matter what anyone thinks. The Florida forward Carter said Friday ahead of the start of the final Saturday, we think we have a really good team. It doesn't really matter what the outside distraction says. We're probably not favorites again, but we just come to the ring playing hockey, trying to win hockey games. I've won a lot of hockey games in recent years, and Vegas is favored to win this game, probably because they're the top seed in the West but it has not surprised and certainly is not an accident. It was an unexpected 27-2018 season when the Golden Knights went from their expansion darlings to the finals. But before losing to Washington, but every step made by the management since two coaching changes, several bold trades, and a few agent signings, 
was done with the express purpose of getting the Stanley Cup to Las Vegas. They did not envision this happening, but General Manager Kelly McCrimmon said, we have a vision of what we think a championship team and a contender needs to be looking like, but we've worked hard to acquire that, to build that. Building a championship team often revolves around acquiring a franchise goaltender when it matters most. The Golden Knights got to the final five years ago with Marc-Andre Fleury, injuries along the way, but have left the job to, to Aiden Hill, who since taking over the middle of the second round has stopped 312 of 333 shots to get the Vegas Knights to the finals. It's sort of been that next man up mentality and whoever is in between the pikes that night. I think the entire very confident with this. That first being said by center Jack Eichel, who is a playoff MVP favorite in his first career playoff appearance. It just gives the group that much confidence every night when your goal is playing that well. That's an understatement. Now for Florida Panthers, Bobrovsky sure is, and that's actually an understatement. The two-time Vezina Trophy winner as the top goaltender, Bobrovsky, has won 11 of his past 12 games and not allowed a goal in nearly 100 minutes over time this postseason. But who wins the series will be determined from the net out, not just by Hill and Bobrovsky, who have tried to make their jobs easier. Vegas and Florida each have has allowed under three goals a game so far in the playoffs, combining to block 605 shots along the way. Shot blocking is just one part of the defensive techniques and structure that helped Vegas get past Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Dallas in the West, and AFC Florida knock off Boston, Toronto, and Carolina in the East. The Panthers were overlooked along their path, and while Golden Knights insist they're not underestimating them, they also don't lack any confidence about being able to come away with the cup. Florida, obviously, they're hot right now. They've knocked off three of the top four best teams in the league. Well, that would being said, they do not care who comes in their way, those Florida Panthers. So that's exactly what's going on here in, that, in those regards with the Stanley Cup playoffs. They did play game one. And they did lose with a score of 5-2 to two against the Golden Knights. But that's what we have wrapping up in the NHL. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control. 34 Jefferson Street, Noonan. 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Cowita Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text K4K Noonan to 44321 to donate.
This week's property of the week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre track is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. Next topic we are going to be going over is Major League Baseball. So, with the Major League Baseball season just making it underway in the first couple months of the season, the best team in baseball so far is the Tampa Bay Rays. That's definitely not a team that we saw to be the number one team in the American League right now, but that is thanks to great pitching and the fact that they have uh, a they have the best pitcher in baseball right now with Shane McMillahan Mc, Mc, with seven wins as a starter, leading all pitching stacks in the entire league. But there's a couple guys that are also at that seven-win mark. That would be Mitch Keller, Nathan Ovadi from the Texas Rangers, and Zach Gallen from the Diamondbacks. So those are the type of pitchers that have been really dominating in Major League Baseball so far. As far as home runs, the New York Mets have the number one home run slugger right now in Pete Alonso. He has 20 long balls so far this season, but it really happens to happen right now where the Aaron Judge with the New York Yankees nipping at the heels of Pete Alonso. Uh, he has 18 home runs so far this season, but then tied out in the Los Angeles area, we have the Dodgers' Max Muncy. He has 18 home runs. So those are the three guys right now that are hitting for power and really making a difference for their ball clubs. Now, in terms of pitching ERA, earned run averages, we have the Atlanta Braves' Bryce Elder. He has a 1.92 ERA, and he's been dominant on the mound this season. Second guy who is trailing him, not by much in earned run average, Sony Gray of the Minnesota Twins. 1.94 ERA, dominant. And once again, at, at the leaderboard at number three, you got Shane McClanahan, number three in ERA with a 2.0 ERA. That's pretty impressive to be able to keep that at that pace in the season, considering the fact that there's nine innings, guys getting on base, um, and really holding teams to that point. Now we're going to go into who leads the league in RBIs. Runs batted in, we have... Jordan Alvarez from the Houston Astros, 50 RBIs. At this point in the season, that is very good for his ball club. Trailing him also in the state of Texas, we got Alois Garcia. He has 49 RBIs. And then we have out in Boston, uh, Rafael Devers, a very talented uh, slugger who's really as of late, 
has shown that he can really run around the base pass, steals a lot of bases, a very good fielder. Rafael Devers is a player in this league that's going to be dominant, I'd say, for the next 10 to 15 years and has a lot of life in him. But you can't forget about who has the most saves in the game. Saves is a very important part of the game because when teams are holding on to their leads, you need to have a natural-born bred closer that's going to change the outcome of games and really be the anchor. The Cleveland Guardians have the number one closer in the game right now, and that is Emmanuel Place. He has 17 saves on the season for this ball club, followed by Felix Bautista. He has 15 with the Baltimore Orioles. And at number three, you have Jordan Romano from, from Toronto. So those are the top three closers in the league right now. Now, in terms of hits, when we think about hits, this is what it takes to get runners on, and it's a very important part of the game. And the best leading the league in hits right now is Bo Bichette from Toronto. He has 83 hits on the season, followed by Freddie Freeman from the Los Angeles Dodgers. He has 79. And then you have at number three, the Atlanta Braves' very own Ronald Acuna Jr. at 73 on the season. Those are your three leading hit leaders right now at this point in time in the game. Now, when you think about a pitcher and a pitching staff, strikeouts really make a difference in putting together the command on the mound. So the Atlanta Braves right now have the number one strikeout leader in the game, Spencer Strider. He is 106 on the season, very decent. Number two on the list, another Toronto player, Kevin Gosman. 100 strikeouts on the season. And third on the list is the Los Angeles Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, uh, Shohei Otani. 96 strikeouts on the year. Very decent in that regard. Now we're going to go over to who your best stolen base leaders are. And we got Esterary Ruiz from the Oakland Athletics. He's got 28, 28 baggers so far on the year. And number two on the list, we got Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Atlanta Braves. 23 overall. And then number three on the list, we got Wander Franco from Tampa Bay Rays. So these are your leaders and your prospective categories in Major League Baseball so far this season. We're going to now segue into the next part of our segment, and that is going to be with the college baseball World Series going on right now. So it's been an incredible season, but we're going to talk about the different uh, games that have started from this coming weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's games. So we had on Friday the Wake Forest Deacons, number one overall. They were playing against George Mason. It t- this game took place at Winston-Salem in the regionals. So Wake Forest really were dominant in this game, and uh, they 
they won this game 12 to nothing. They had 12 hits opposed to George Mason's three hits and zero runs. A really dominant performance for the Wake Forest Deacons. Really considering this, based upon this, their pitching staff has been dominant all season long. Another game that happened on Friday, we had the University of Florida Gators. This game actually took place in Gainesville Regional, and they took on the Florida A&M Rattlers. And I will tell you that this Rattlers team really kept this game a lot closer than they than everyone had expected. A 3-0 win for the University of Florida Gators. Here's a surprising stat in this one. I have not seen in a long time a team that is beating the other team in terms of hits. They had seven in the game. The Gators had five. So in terms of capitalizing on your opportunities, the Gators got it done. And the Florida A&M Rattlers, who no one saw as having a fighting chance in this game, were leaving base runners stranded in this one. Now the next game we're going to talk about is University of Arkansas Razorbacks. They played against Santa Clara, and they defeated them with a score of 13-6. And again, it's another one of the scenarios where they had less hits once again against their rivals. And that's something that in those two straight games that it looks like in terms of leaving runners on, it really made a difference in the ball game. And the Razorbacks, also a stout-looking team, very good pitching staff, took care of business. Now the next game we're going to talk about here is the Clemson Tigers against Lipscomb. Clemson took care of business, had 12 runs on 12 hits against Lipscomb, who had five runs on 10 hits. And uh, Clemson Tigers, favorite in the game, especially considering the fact this game was played in Clemson Regional, they took care of business. Now the next ball game we're going to talk about here was the LSU Tigers playing against Tulane. Now, it's unbelievable that Tulane was playing in this game. Despite the fact they have a 19-41 and record, they gave it their best shot against LSU. They lost seven. They dropped this game in Baton Rouge Regional 7-2. The Tigers had 11 hits, while Tulane had seven. Next ball game here, we have the Van- Vanderbilt versus Eastern Illinois. Now, Vanderbilt, they were so dominant in this game with the 13 hits and the 12 runs taking care of business with a score of 12-2, to 2, and this game was played in Nashville Regional. Next one in this game, we have Virginia against Army. Virginia really took it to Army. They won that game 15-1 to 1 on Virginia's team had 18 hits opposed to the Army. They only had two. It was a no-brainer in that one. This game was played in Charlottesville Regional. The next game we have is San Jose State. They play against Stanford. And Stanford uh, really took care of business. This was a 13-2 victory. 11 hits for the Stanford team opposed to San Jose State's seven. Now we go 
to Florida in the Coral Gables Regional, and we have the University of Miami Hurricane. They defeated University of Maine 9-1, to a dominant performance on 11 hits opposed to Maine's 5. Now we're going to get the one games that are pretty much barn burners. So we have Coastal Carolina playing Ryder, and yes, the first upset here with these kind of games. Coastal Carolina, 10 overall, playing against Ryder. They dropped this game. This game went 10 innings, 11 to 10, a heartbreaker. No one saw this coming, and Ryder truly takes care of business. The other barn burner in the day was Oral Roberts versus Oklahoma State. And once again, another upset. So your 10th and 11th seeds both lose their ballgames and upsets. Oral Roberts had six runs on 13 hits, defeating Oklahoma State 6-4 to four when they're playing this. And that right there is a couple feet in stat because that's not the only set we had of the day. We also had University of Pennsylvania. That's, this game went through 11 innings. They beat Auburn 6-3 to three at Auburn Regional. I don't know about you, but I did not know that this would have in terms of the University of Pennsylvania knocking off Auburn. This was a dominant performance. 11 hits, 6 runs, opposed to Auburn's 3 runs and 4 hits. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in. Take out. It's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location, bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Got mold? Call the Mold Man. Specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678-227-9763. Hey, sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank 
on 99.1 WQEE, The Key, in Noonan, Georgia. In this next step of our madness, we have music news. So music news, we're going to start off talking about the Billboard Hot 100 and whose songs and what artists are really climbing the charts. So we have number one overall right now, we have an artist by the name of Morgan Wallen. Morgan Wallen is a hybrid artist. He makes country music, pop music, and some hip-hop. And it's impressive what he's been doing because for 17 straight weeks, he's been on the chart, and he's been number one in his position on the Billboard Hot 100 for the last two months. Now, that is an incredible placement to bring to the scene. Number two on this list, we have the talented Miley Cyrus with her song, Flowers. Flowers has been on the charts for the last 19 weeks. Very long time. They've been in, she's been in peak position once. Last week she was three, but now she climbs the charts at number two. At number three, we have SZA. They've been on the chart for 24 straight weeks in peak position once. Last week, they're four. Now, this week, they climb the charts at number three. Number four on this list, we have Rema and Selena Gomez. They were number 38 on the chart, number 38 on the chart for 38 straight weeks. But last week, they made their way to six. But now, they're in their peak position of rotation, and they're now number four, which is really an incredible feat to be remain to be seen. At number five, we have Toozy. They have been on the charts for the last 14 weeks. They've been in peak position five times. And last week they were number eight. But the bottom line is the popularity has been coming up. And now they're number five. Number five on that list. Now, an artist that has been dropping in the rankings, very popular in the hip-hop culture, that would be Lil Durk. But the thing is, Lil Durk also had a quality artist in terms of doing a feature with a melodic artist, R&B in the culture, J. Cole. So they've been charting on this chart for about two weeks. They were in peak position for two. But last week, they were number two. Unfortunately, this time around, they do drop the number seven. And uh, that's kind of surprising, considering the fact that the popularity level of Lil Durk is very much crucial in terms of the Midwest market of the country. And especially when you have J. Cole on the track, that really is insane that they have gone down on the list. Number eight on that list is Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny's been on the chart now. This is his first week on the chart. And with that being said, he is number eight. How do you make the most of your land? Everyone has their way. The Nelsons depend on their John Deere Gator XUV 835R to get from point A to point B with decoys and the dogs. 
much as we got going on, it's all about efficiency. And if you ask the Mosers what they use their Gator XUV 590M for, they tell you. The most fun we have on the Gator is just repping around the property. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deer.com. Nothing runs like a deer. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. I'm not going to lie. I know nothing about cars. And I don't really mind keeping it that way. This, it's cool. I called CarShield before my car broke down. Thanks to CarShield, I don't have to understand anything about what's broken because plans can pay for repairs on up to 6,000 parts of my car. Leave fixing cars to the experts and call CarShield before your car breaks down and maybe save some money for once. It's a thought. Call 800-579-6554. 800-579-6554. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy, because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. Welcome back. Now we're going to be talking about the music culture and the industry part of our segment so we're going to go on to our Rock Harvest segment. So Coldplay counted 5 million trees planted so far on music of the Spheres tour. And really what's been going on there, uh, this band said they had also nearly hit their goal of 50% carbon reduction from their previous tour. So they're really conscious about this. Now, before hitting the road last March, Coldplay sent some very ambitious environmental goals for their massive music of the Spheres World Tour. Their overarching aim was to reduce the carbon footprint from their 2016 to 2017 tour, head full of dreams, stadium tour, by more than 50%. And it looks like so far they have been able to accomplish this. So that's a very great aspect that they're trying to think of our consciousness of our culture and letting people know about global warming as it is. So there's not a lot of artists who are going to do that and particularly, but they sure did. Now, another story I want to talk about in the rock part of the industry is the fact that Foo Fighters distill heartbreak. They embark on their next chapter, but here we come. And this is how Foo Fighters takes a look at their new album. With the untimely death, death of their drummer, Taylor Hawkins, Foo Fighters has been going through a very tough time of putting things together, the legendary rock band. But the great art is so often hewn from struggle. But Dave Grohl knows all about it. So following the 1994 suicide of Kurt Cobain and immediate disbanding of Nirvana, the grunge great drummer Grohl focused his grief and energies on a new project for the Foo Fighters. A year later, 
those Foo Fighters dropped its self-titled debut album, Grohl sang every line and played every instrument, with the exception of a guitar part of Ecstatic. Now, the Foos are now members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They were inducted in 2022, and Grohl was also elevated as a member of Nirvana in 2014. And 11 albums deep in the rock, rocking career he's had, while wow, he has ignited all the struggle. Grohl and his foes have had to pick up their shattered pieces once again, following the untimely death last March of their calls maniac drummer Taylor Hawkins. Working through this heartbreak, the band reassembled. Those pieces, but here we are, the Foo's 11th and latest studio album. This dropped at the stroke of midnight. This was produced by years-long collaborator Greg Kirsten. The set is described as a brutally honest and emotionally raw response to tragedy in the first chapter of the band's new life. Spanning 10 tracks, but here we are. This opens with the first single, Rescued, which dropped April 19th. Grohl returns to his familiar duties behind the kit on the new LP, though Josh Freeze was recently unveiled as the Foo's full-time drummer, making his live concert debut with the group of May 21 for a performance that included new cut Show Me How and a title track, Freeze, a veteran studio slash record drummer has played with acts including Guns N' Roses, a perfect circle, and Nine Inch Nails. This was revealed as during a live stream that the Foo Fighters prepared for the music concerts. The Foos will rumble. The Foos will rumble through the summer with a full itinerary, including more than a dozen festival appearances at Boston Calling, Sonic Temple, Rock M Ring, Bonnaroo, Auto Blues Fest, Harley Davidson Homecoming, Fuji Rock. Wildlands, Outside Lands, Jazz Aspen, Snowmass, Riot Fest, and so much more. So it really takes place that the Foos did not let adversity get in their way. And now they are peaking on the Billboard 200, one of the band's nine top ten appearances on the chart, which is now second, which hits number one on the list. When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, the worms' soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. This is Austin Black, and I am the host of Behind the Tunes. Have you ever wondered about the stories behind your favorite songs and the journeys of those that sing them? Well, each week, we invite you to go behind the tunes and step into the stories behind your favorite Christian artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Hey everybody, this is Andy Crispin. Join me this week for worship as I play two hours of the best in modern worship music from churches and worship leaders around the world. And this week, my special guest is Blake Goss 
of New Spring Worship. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For us, that scripture came alive because he did a new thing actually in an old place. You don't want to miss a moment of this week's worship with me, your host, Andy Christman. WQE 99.1 FM, The Key. Home of Southern Sports and Talk. Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on 99.1 WQEE. This TCU team with their 3-3-5 defense-style defense holding teams we've seen countless times all year long down to the point where they have an ultimately incredible middling rush defense. That's right. When their front seven emerges to the football, we've seen them do it all year long. They've been creating havoc in the backfield. And Michigan, they're going to do their best to slow down their running back, Donovan Edwards. Edwards has had a very decent season. The sophomore running back took this team to a height that they haven't seen in a long time in that regard where he's going to be playing in this one's game. But the thing is, is that this Edwards had rushed for 401 yards and three touchdowns on 47 touches. But then on the other side, other than the fact they have Max Dugan, who was a Heisman candidate, wasn't in the top four. He's had a year I don't think anyone saw coming to be. A pocket passer indeed making necessary throws on the run, throwing that fly route, that slant route, and he's been dynamic all season. This TCU offense has been dangerous as they are ranked in the top 25 and they're 10th in yards, Richard. So that's going to be a huge focal point in this game. The team averaged 40 points per game. And when you have that dominant of an offense putting up 40 burgers all day long, it's going to be very interesting. But both teams in this matchup have been known for the second-half performances. Yes, that really is the case. Usually teams have conditioning problems coming down to the wire. But both these teams are incredible in that regard. So the Michigan team averaged 18.5 points in the first half. But the thing is, is that they're 18th in the country while TCU is 23rd. So both these teams, in that regard, going to the second half are top 25 in terms of the points. However, both their numbers increase at that point in time. But Michigan plays at the top, bottom of the 10 tempo in terms of plays per minute, which is going to be a huge case in terms of ball control in this game. And they may even want to ease in on that. But the explosive offense that TCU has really creates a difference. But Michigan has the third best red zone touchdown defense in the country. So that's going to be a very impactful one because TCU typically doesn't see a red zone defense as stout as Michigan. But at the same time, you're right. I got to go my heart on this one. I'm going to take the TCU Horn Frogs in this game. The Ohio State defense. The Buckeyes improved on defense under first-year defensive coordinator Jim Knowles. But the defense, will they show up in Atlanta? That remains to be seen. Will it be the one that allowed 3.4 yards per carry for the season and had breakout performances from linebacker Tommy Eichenberg? 
112 tackles on the season, Richard. Incredible. 12 tackles for a loss. An emerging linebacker indeed. Stout. Shuffling sideline to sideline. And when you have an edge rusher like JT Tumalalo, incredible indeed. Now, will they also be the team that gave up 7.2 yards per carry when they played against Michigan? That's what remains to be seen because they gave up chunk plays in that regard. But Georgia averaged 207 yards rushing per game in the committee of, like you said, Kenny McIntosh, 709 yards on the season on 10 touchdowns. There's one Edwards, 683 yards on seven touchdowns. And like you said, Kendall Milton, they have a three-headed monster attack that will be a challenge to stop. Now the next thing, that you're going to have to look at in terms of a key. It's the Ohio State wide receivers versus that Georgia defensive backfield. Now, there are several matchups here, but there will be more on Sunday. Like you said, one of the best receivers in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr., had 1,157 yards on 12 touchdowns. Emeka Ekabuka, 1,039 yards, 9 touchdowns. This is the best receiving tandem the Bulldogs have seen all year. It's going to give them a test. Georgia allowed 502 passing yards in the SEC championship game, Richard, against LSU. Man, but Georgia safeties, Christopher Smith, a consensus All-American, and freshman phenom Malachi Starks will be tasked with limiting the chunk plays on the back end. But the Bulldogs limited... The Tennessee receivers like Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman to 13 catches. So that's what remains to be seen. But how about the third aspect of the game we're, we're going to be looking at? These what I like to call the unsung playmakers. So that Georgia tight end, Brock Bowers, everyone knows who he is. Amazing. 726 yards and six touchdowns. And the other tight end, absolute beast, Darnell Washington, 417 yards, two touchdowns. This will be a test for Ohio State. But Lade McConkie had 675 yards and five touchdowns and scored a touchdown in all three games against ranked teams this season. Betravion, Betravion Williams had 817 yards in an established run game. And Dallin Hayden, 510 yards and five touchdowns in this ground attack. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Both these teams are Titan-like teams. But in this ballgame, I seriously think, I agree with you, the Bulldogs have been strong all season long. I think they're going to take this one. It's amazing that this point in time that they're going to get Mike White back. The culture of the team is very different. His blockers, his offensive line wants to play for them. And it's it's it's, it's very Interesting in that regard, Zach Wilson has lost the tempo of the team. He's going to be benched, like you said. Mike White taking on the helm. They're just a lot better at throwing the football in that regard. Mike White's been averaging over 60% of his throws, right about 63% completion rate. As long as they have a stout defense, pro bowler C.J. Mosley stacks up in the box, averages his 12 to 15 tackles a game. Sauce Gardner playing his lockdown corner press coverage all day long. Another pro bowler and a rookie indeed. 
the new age Darrell Revis for the Jets. As long as they have that coming into play. And Quinton Williams. Quinton Williams wreaking havoc in the backfield, like you said, Richard. They should be fine. Now, a guy that's going to have to step up in the game, he has not played too well the last, I guess, month. That's Michael Carter. Michael Carter's going to have to play better in terms of running the football in between the tackles. And they're going to have to use a combination of him and Zonovan Knight, who has had a very decent showing. But the last two weeks, he has been minimal on the ground. Let's see if Zonovan Knight comes back into his old form of running with the football in that regard. And the bottom line is, they're going to have to get pressure of Geno Smith. But Geno Smith, in this regard, has had a season that he is 100% probably the runner-up. Not the runner-up. He may even win the whole thing as Comeback Player of the Year award, Richard. Geno Smith has had a very decent season in last week's contest through for 25 or 40 for 215 yards. And his favorite target to throw to all year long, DK Metcalf, had seven catches, 81 yards. So I do believe the matchup is going to be Metcalf and Gardner. Then you also got Tyler Lockett. So they ha he has good receivers to throw the ball to. And then over the middle of the field where it could be a huge difference. Can the Jets cover Will Disley? Can they cover their whole tight end core? That's what remains to be seen. And Kenneth Walker had a really good rushing day last week. Clips over 100 yards in the ground. Will the Jets get penetration in the backfield and Geno Smith? They, will they will in the trenches? Will Sauce Gardner be able to hold down the DK Metcalf? These are the questions in the ball game that will remain to be seen. Will the Jets establish a run game? Will that happen? But I'm going to go with my heart here. Mike White, the presence of the Jets on the road. Typically, they have a better record on the road. They're a better road team than a home team. I take the Jets in this one. I really like that pick, Corey. Now let's move to the Minnesota Vikings traveling to the frozen tundra in Lambeau, taking on the hottest team that nobody wants to play right now. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I cannot believe I'm saying this, Corey. Aaron Rodgers can sneak into the playoffs and you could possibly see a first-round matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers, and I am not 100% sure I would take Brock Purdy over Aaron Rodgers because he is playing lights-out football. You know the Minnesota Vikings are 11-0 in one-possession games? I mean, they actually almost lost to the Indianapolis Colts. They actually uh, completed the greatest comeback in NFL history. They had to lose. They had to win on a last-second field goal against the Giants a 61-yarder last week. I mean, they are due for a loss. And, of course, I'm rooting for Green Bay so the 49ers can get the number two seed. But I'm telling you, Corey, the Green Bay Packers, I think they win this game, and I think they win it comfortably. Aaron Rodgers right now is just playing on another level. But who do you got in this game? Very interesting prediction. I think that's a that's – a, huh. no one can stop Aaron Rodgers when he is hot. And he is dialing it up and has the chemistry with his team. Last week, the Vikings, I'd say, has had a hard time and the last couple weeks. But the Minnesota Vikings coming to this game have a 12-3 and record. Really good team this year. In the last contest, the Vikings took the field against the Giants. 
and they earned a victory, 27-24, a barn burner indeed. Kirk Cousins, 34-48 passing for 299 yards through the air and three touchdowns. And the immaculate 107.9 QBR rating. That's something else. But Dalvin Cook, South, one of the best running backs in the game, running between tackles. He had 14 carries for 64 yards. So that's going to be a matchup. Can this Green Bay defense stop the rushing attack of Dalvin Cook? Cal- Dalvin Cook has the ability to, is a home run threat all the time. As soon as he gets to the second level, he can, he can do a cutback in the lane and be gone. It's Dalvin Cook. So that's what you got there. Then you have one of the most impressive stats you've seen, uh, we've seen in a long time. And that's their dynamic X receiver, Justin Jefferson. He's the number one wide receiver in football right now. Can the defensive backfield of the Green Bay Packers, Jair Alexander and Justin Jefferson, that's going to be a dynamic matchup. Who's going to win this one? Is it going to be Justin Jefferson, who last week averaged 11.1 yards a catch, 133 yards, and is on pace to have a 2,000-yard season? No one's ever done it at the wide receiver position ever, Richard. Is that going to happen? Or are you going to see the pro bowler, Jair Alexander, lock down Justin Jefferson? That's what remains to be seen in that regard. Aaron Rodgers been hot, burning it up as of late. and. You can't forget about his supporting cast. Alan Lazard has been coming along as his best receiver as of late. But you can't forget about the tandem of running back between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Both those guys are dynamic runners. Thunder and lightning backfield. You have A.J. Dillon moving the sticks and bulldozing through holes and driving piles. And then you got Aaron. Very good out in space. He gets a crease. He's got the home run threat to run for touchdowns all day long in the screen game and getting outside on zones. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup in this game. But I personally think that if it comes down to Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers, as long as they get the rush on Kirk Cousins and have him make mistakes, I do think the Packers and the Cheeseheads will take the victory. We have two of the top five quarterbacks in football, both young. They're part of the new generation. You got Josh Allen. The man can jump over you. He can run over you. He can make passes where he is hugging the sideline. He can throw the long ball. To Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, and you have a stout defense in Buffalo. They stop the run like no man can. And when you have a tandem where you have the ability to give the ball to Singletary and you have a dynamic thrower like Josh Allen, you are tough to beat. Now, on the other side, you got Cincinnati Bengals. Early in the season, there was questions. But they are the hottest team in football right now besides Kansas City. And Joe Burrow, an accomplished quarterback, made it to the big game last year, lost. But he is every bit of what it means to be the new wave. He is a leader. He is Cool Joe. They call him Cool Joe. 
for a reason. Calm, cool, and collective. A leader on his team, he can make any throw you possibly can on the field, whether it's a slant route, whether it's the long ball, and he knows how to be a game manager when it comes to be when his offensive line takes over football games. But the matchup here, you're going to want to watch this game. Who's going to win in the trench fight? The defensive line of the Buffalo Bills or the offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals? Who's going to win the surge up front? Will they get in the backfield and get to Joe Burrow? Will they not? Another matchup you're going to want to see in this game is the Cincinnati defensive backfield against Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is the definition of a Swiss Army knife. I've seen him line up in the slot. I can see him line up in the X receiver and the Y. They're going to put him in different places. So their number one corner for Cincinnati is not going to honestly be on them all the time. So there's going to be a part of the game that is not as great for the Cincinnati Bengals is that they line up Stephon Diggs in the slot and they run slant routes over the middle of the field. He can torch the defense of Cincinnati. So it's going to be very important for the Cincinnati pass rush and stuff run stuffing to really get it done. But they got two edge rushers who are dynamic on the edge for the Bengals. Will they get in the backfield to Josh Allen? That's the other That's the other matchup. Will the tackles be able to get to them and do the reach box? But in this football game, two incredible teams. But in the battle of these two teams, I think the Bengals are going to be hot and they're going to win this game. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be part of your team. This was a great first show, and I hope the listeners had a great time tonight. We appreciate all the help that we can get, and we look forward to you tuning in soon. Have a great night, everybody. Put one of those hash browns at the end, you know, like hash brown team Cobra Kai or something. And then send it to the internet!